Welcome to Starting the Conversation, the podcast which uncovers what it really looks like to run a business, show up online and do your own thing. If we haven't been introduced before, hello, my name's Alice. I'm a digital marketing coach based in the UK and I'm also the host of this podcast. There's nothing I enjoy more than talking about the unspoken sides of being an entrepreneur and sitting down in conversation with others who get it. We all know how running a business and being self-employed can very often be a lonely and consuming experience. So it's my intention that these episodes bring a bit of encouragement and community to what you're doing. In today's episode, I'll be taking you behind the scenes of a recent launch in my business. So if you're ready to get an honest insight into what it's looked like to plan, promote and pull off a big launch, then keep listening. Well, welcome back to the podcast and welcome to episode number 48 of Starting the Conversation. If you're listening to this on the day it's coming out, you may notice I'm one day late, but hey, I like to think better late slash last minute than never. Um, This episode was obviously meant to go up on the usual day of a Monday, but I am such a perfectionist that if I'm just not happy with something, it doesn't see the light of day. So hey, we're out on a Tuesday. I hope you're having a good week so far. And hopefully by me delaying it, this episode is a bit more concise interesting, to the point, valuable than maybe the episode that I recorded and deleted yesterday would have been. But let's jump into it because as you would have seen from the title and the introduction, today I'm talking all about behind the scenes of a launch. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while or you follow me over on Instagram, you might have seen that at the back end of last year, I launched my first ever thing called Gather and Grow. And Gather and Grow, if you don't know, wow, she's a poet and she doesn't know it, is a workshop retreat for female entrepreneurs. And it was a very big launch for me. And it was in fact, as I said there, the first time I'd ever launched something in my business. Now, when I'm using the word launch, I'm not talking about the everyday kind of evergreen normal services or products that you offer. As a coach, I obviously have coaching packages, but I've never launched those. They're always available. There's not really a time frame. It's not really anything new. They're just things that I offer. Whereas for me, bringing out this retreat involved launching something. There was a time frame. There was urgency. It was something new. I really wanted to tell people about it. I wanted excitement. So when I realized that I was doing this thing, I was like, oh, I've never launched anything before. Oh well, I will just jump in headfirst and figure it out as I go. And that is most definitely what I did, which is why this episode is here, because in my spirit of just jumping in headfirst and learning as I go, I do make a lot of mistakes and I do figure out a lot of things as I go. I'm one of those people who doesn't believe that there's a brick wall there until I run into it. And that kind of stubbornness sometimes is a positive, but very often is a negative. However, in this situation, I just want to share with you what I learned along the way. So I'm going to get honest about what the behind the scenes of my launch look like, sharing with you the mistakes that I made, what went well, the kind of reasons that I made different decisions, what I would do differently, and hopefully give you some insight and tips for if you're looking to launch something in your business soon. I'm going to slip... I was going so well and then I nearly messed up my words. I'm just going to keep that in. I'm going to split this episode into three sections. The first is the planning process. The second is the promotion process. And the third is learning curves and tips. I mean, I was kind of hoping it would be P's the whole way through, but I couldn't really figure out a P for learning curves. So I just had to let that be what it was. Um, But first, I thought I should give you a bit of context as to what Gather and Grow is, where the idea came from, and kind of how I was feeling about it when I first kind of came up with the idea, because that will help you to understand a lot of what I'm talking about in the rest of this episode. 
So let me take you back to day one when Gather and Grow was just a tiny seed in the back of my brain. Um, as I've already said, Gather and Grow is a workshop retreat for female entrepreneurs. And the idea actually did not come from me sitting down and thinking, I want to launch something. I want to do something new. What should I do? And actually, I'm really glad about that because the passion always came from the idea first rather than what it was going to do for my business. And it came from a place of personal experience. I've talked about this before, but when I was looking back at my business in 2018, I think this was around September time that I was having this idea, I realized that my business had hugely shifted. If I compared where my business was at in January to where it was in September, Things had changed so dramatically, but in a really positive way. I had clients, I was fully booked, I had cash flow in my business, I was really excited about what I was doing, I was getting invited to do other things, my business just felt like it was full of traction. But if I rewind to the start of 2018, genuinely none of those things existed. I was very close to giving up, I didn't have any clients, I didn't feel like I was getting any traction, and I just didn't know what to do. And when I was looking at that shift that my business has made, I was like, what did that? Because I mean, that's a fairly substantial shift in about nine months. Like what was the thing that made that happen? And I realized what it was, was that in the summer of 2018, I sat down and I made space to address the foundations of my business and work long term. I realized then when I was thinking about how that was so fundamental to me that there was nothing out there which gave people that space. There was no event or you know coaching package or product or whatever else that made that space for people. So I thought, hey, maybe that's something I could do because it's so easy as business owners to step out of the everyday and get that long-term and foundational work done because there's always emails and to-do lists and things in your calendar and stepping up and out of that actually can be really difficult. But in honesty, I had that idea kind of September time and then it went out of my head and I was like, oh cool, like I'll think about that another time, I'm busy enough. And then a few weeks later, I was scrolling through Airbnb, which don't judge me, it's just something I like to do. I like Airbnb, I like houses, I'm into interiors. So I was just scrolling through, I think I was probably skiving off work and I came across this amazing venue. It was a huge converted barn, it had a spa, it had a hot tub, it had a heated pool, it had this beautiful mutual living area and all these amazing bedrooms and then something sparked in me I was like oh my gosh maybe I could do something with this with work and then I was like oh maybe I could do a retreat and then I was like oh maybe it could be to fill that gap that I recognized two weeks ago and from that point gather and grow was born it didn't have the name gather and grow at that point in honesty until about three weeks before launch I was calling it the retreat and I was very close to naming it that because I just couldn't deal with having to name something. Um, but it was from that point where I was like, this is what I wanna create. So to give you a bit of perspective, what Gather and Grow actually is, it's three days of intentional space, blending expertise and community to leave female business owners, freelancers, self-employed women, whatever you wanna call yourselves, feeling connected to the heart of what you do and ready to level up your business. So now that you know what Gather and Grow is and kind of how the idea came to be, let's go behind the scenes from that point and let you know about the planning process. So starting off with the kind of first step, I guess, if you are anything like me, you will have an idea, it will slightly terrify you and you know that you have to act on it straight away, otherwise you'll back out. And I instantly knew that in that moment. I was like, I've never hosted a retreat before. 
I'm guessing this is going to be a huge investment with my time and my money and it's also going to be a huge risk probably. So I was kind of like I need to keep running with this idea before fear can set in and before I listen to those questions of like what if it doesn't go wrong? What if it doesn't go wrong? What if it does go wrong? Or what if people don't like it? Or what if it's not a good product slash service slash I don't even know what it is. Um, but I was really motivated actually by the knowledge that I had found something a little bit different. I know retreats are kind of popping up right now, but when I was thinking about it at the end of last year, I was obviously looking everywhere to see if anyone else was doing something similar and I couldn't really find anything in the UK that had that same concept. I couldn't find anything that gave people both the space, the expertise and the community. So I was like, cool. I don't think anything one's done this before, I'm gonna run with this in the fear that someone else might do it if I don't. And it was genuinely that feeling of like, if I don't do it, someone else will, that motivated me in those early few days to keep rolling with it. So from that step, when I was like, cool, this is an idea. I don't know if this is actually feasible, but I think I wanna run with it for as far as I can. I didn't really know what the first step was. So in classic Alice style, if you follow me over on Instagram, you know that I love to do this. I buy these big A3 boards from the range or like Hobbycraft or wherever your nearest craft store is. I grab a Sharpie and I map out everything. I literally wrote in the middle of this board retreat and I mapped out the whole concept. I thought about the workshops that I'd wanna host. I thought about the kind of women that would be coming, the food that we'd be eating, how long we'd be there for, the activities we'd be doing, how I'd wanna market it, who I'd wanna be involved in the process. I just got it all down on paper. And doing that was a really good exercise because it helped me to work through the idea. I think it's very easy when you have a really big idea that's a very foreign thing and you haven't done before, it's hard to know what the first step is in actually making it happen. So for me, I knew before I talked to anyone else, I needed to get a really strong concept within myself of what it was, who it was for and why I was doing it. And it was at this point where I think I could have thought, you know, what's the cheapest way of doing this? Or what's the, you know, most efficient way of doing this? But at this point, when I'm really just mapping out the concept, I'm thinking like, in a dream world, what would this retreat look like? What would this thing that I'm launching look like? So once I had that concept and I'd kind of figured out some details, I then looked out to see if it was something that people were interested in. So I'm in a couple of membership groups. So I posted in those Facebook groups, asked people what they would look for in a workshop retreat, asked people if they had ever been to a workshop retreat before, and basically just figured out if my idea was something that people were interested in. I was so keen that before committing to it in any way, before securing a date, before investing any money in it, I figured out whether it was an idea that A, would work and B, there was a need for. So for me, that was what the initial steps were looking like, was figuring out, you know, is this an idea that I can pull off? And B, is this an idea that people actually want? Because I mean, that's the most important part, right? It's that idea of always creating with the ideal client and the end user in mind, because the reality is they are the ones that decide how well your launch goes. You can have the best marketing plan ever, you can have the shiniest video and the greatest branding, but if it isn't a good fit for your ideal client, then it's just not gonna go the way that you want it to. So once I'd kind of refined it to a place where I was like, cool, I think I like this idea, this really excites me and it feels like something that people want, 
I then begun to make the next step. So I started thinking and looking at all these different elements that I'd mapped out and thinking, who would I want to be involved in each of these things? I thought about the workshop topics that I decided I wanted to do and thought, okay, which guest host would be a great fit for those topics? I looked at um, the chef that I wanted. I looked into the website that I needed building. I looked into the logo that I needed doing and the copy that I needed writing. And I just thought like, who is the ideal person that I would love to work on this thing? And I'm really grateful to have a great network of people who I know and also some amazing people who work with me and do one-off work for me so actually it wasn't that difficult thinking of people to make my website write my copy make the logo because I've got some really incredible team members who I can just pop an email to and see if they're interested so it was at this point where I sent some really random emails (laughs) I think if I look back at these emails now I'd probably laugh because they were pretty much along the lines of hey blah 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 I think I might host this retreat. I'm not sure. Here's what it would look like. Here's what I would love you to do for it. What would it look like for you to be involved? How much would you charge me? Do you want to be involved? And it was basically these really fluffy emails of like, I'm not committing to anything. I'm just trying to figure out if this is a sound idea. But if by any chance this does actually happen, will you be involved? And to my amazing surprise, all of the women that I reached out to said yes. And were like, yes, I'm so behind that. I love the idea. I'd love to be involved. Here's what that would look like. So I then got it to a place where I was like, cool, I have an idea that I love. I have an idea that I think people are interested in. And I have a team ready to make that idea happen. And then got to the point where I realized that the next step was for me to actually decide that it was going to happen. I needed to decide if it was gonna actually become a retreat or just keep being this hypothetical thing that I was sending loads of emails about and getting people excited about, but not actually doing. And in that moment, of course, a bit of fear set in. I'm a big believer in the fact that fear is not a red flag. For me, in my business, at least this is true for me, feel free to ignore this if this is not true for you. Fear for me is a kind of show, what am I trying to say? Fear for me is, a representation of when I'm moving in the right direction. If I feel fear when I'm doing something, that to me says that I'm doing something new, that I'm pushing a boundary, that I'm getting out of my comfort zone and I'm creating the opportunity for something amazing to happen. Of course, sometimes I feel so much fear that I am paralyzed by it. But actually the fear that I felt when I was thinking, okay, do I actually wanna pull the trigger on this and make this happen, motivated me even more. Because I thought, hey, if this both excites me and terrifies me, I think I found something pretty special. So it was in that moment, I was like, cool. I guess this is going to happen. So I sent all these emails to everyone, basically being like, okay, it's gonna happen. Here's three dates, who can do which dates? Let's actually make things happen. I was paying people's deposits. So I was signing contracts with the team members that I was working with. And then the ball just kept rolling. To give you some perspective, it was actually only like a couple of weeks from when I first had the idea when I was scrolling through Airbnb to this point where I pulled the trigger on it, spent a load of money and got the date locked in. Like I said, I'm one of those people where if I want to do something, I've got to move quick because my brain moves at 100 miles per hour. And if I give it space and give it time, fear will set in and I will back out. So I started moving. I began securing all those team members and getting that work done. And it was at this point, once I'd got the date secured in, that I mapped out a timeline. So I'd obviously discussed with everyone before pulling the trigger how much they would charge me, what deadlines they would need to be working to, what their availability was, so that the second that I decided I wanted it to happen, I could just run with it. There wasn't anything that was uncertain. There wasn't anything that would go necessarily wrong, although obviously things did go wrong. Um, I just wanted to know that everything
everything was ready to go. And I think it was at this point where I was like, oh my gosh, there is so much involved in planning a retreat than I ever expected. Like you would not even imagine. I think when I was first in that initial stage, I was like, yeah, we'll just have a few guest hosts and a chef and I'll just have to like spend a bit of money. And like the more I was planning it, the more I was reaching out to people, the more I was realizing what a huge project this was, the more I was like, oh my gosh, what have I got myself in for? But actually it was that feeling of like, oh my gosh, this is so terrifying, which like I said, kept me going. And if anything, it actually made me want it even more because it lit a fire underneath me because actually there was no plan B. From the point of pulling that trigger, I knew because of how much it was gonna cost me pre-launch that if it went wrong, there wasn't really a second option. I can tell you right now, I paid about 10,000 pounds before anyone even knew about the retreat just to get it to a place of being able to launch. And that is a huge investment financially. And obviously not every launch takes that amount of money. But for me, to pull off this idea which excited me so much was gonna cost that much and was gonna risk that much. But actually it was that risk that I think kept me going. It lit that fire underneath me because actually there wasn't another option. And actually it just reminded me even more that it wasn't about money for me. I think it's very easy when we hear the word launch, if we follow kind of American, particularly entrepreneurs online, we can think of people selling online courses, doing a webinar to promote it and making, you know, 500,000 pounds in two days because they've sold this amazing online course. And I've actually talked about it in an episode where I talked about failing to launch an online course, how easy it is to get into the mindset that launching something means high profit. And just to be very, very transparent, this retreat does not make me a ton of profit. In fact, it pretty much makes me no profit. But if anything, the fact that it's not about money makes me love the idea even more because I care so much more about the impact it has. Realizing that it wasn't gonna hugely um, impact my business financially or impact me financially actually helped me to believe in the idea even more because then I was like, oh fine, if it's not about the money, like here's what I can do with it, here's the impact that it does have, that is the value for me. So it was at this point where I mapped out that timeline I set a date for when it was gonna um, go on sale and I set another date for when it was gonna be launched before when it went on sale. And that was obviously all working backwards from the date that I wanted to actually have the retreat. So I chose the 6th to the 9th of May for the retreat. I always get the date wrong, which is really bad when it's your own thing. Um, But I set that date and then I actually managed, the way that I mapped backwards and thought about the launch dates was I had a payment plan which included four payments and in an ideal world, I wanted everyone to have paid the four payments before they came to the retreat. So I basically just went four months behind um, May and realized that that was kind of January time. And I was like, cool, great. I guess that's when I launched it. And I was really passionate to have a separate launch date to a ticket sale date. So on December 10th, I decided I was gonna tell people about it and get the word out there and gain excitement. And then on January 10th, tickets were gonna go on sale and people could book in. So. This kind of transitions me quite nicely into the next section, all about what it looked like to promote and market the retreat. Now, I must say, this is the section that I was definitely a lot more comfortable with. I, as a digital marketing coach, I'm obviously a little bit more fluent at planning a marketing strategy than I am at planning a retreat. So this is the bit that actually felt really natural to me and really excited me because I was like, cool, I spend so much time helping other people launch, now I can do it for myself. Although, 
on the flip side of that, if any other service-based businesses are listening, you'll know that it's really hard to turn the attention on yourself and do what you do for others for yourself. So actually it was a good experience because I learned a lot more about what my clients go through and what they experience when they're launching by doing it myself. So like I said, I knew that I wanted to separate the launch date and the ticket sales date. And there was a few reasons why I did that. The first was that I really wanted to create a sense of excitement and a sense of anticipation. Because it was an exclusive retreat, there were only 12 tickets available, I knew that I wanted people to feel like they were getting in on something really exciting. I didn't wanna just have tickets open from the second the promo video went out and just let the sales trickle in. I wanted people that were coming to really feel like they were desperate to come, to jump onto the website the second the tickets were live and grab their tickets. And obviously from a slightly more practical point of view, that was also important to me in terms of cash flow. I've already said what a financially risky venture this was and I needed as much as I could have control over it to have that money coming in as soon as possible. Having it trickle in up to the ninth, the (laughs) having it trickle in just up to the retreat as in if I was still having tickets selling like a couple of weeks before the retreat would have been really bad for me financially because so much in fact all of the money that I'm going to have to spend on it needs to be paid within these first few months so I knew I was like cool I've invested all this money for myself but actually I need to make sure that the money is coming in from tickets as soon as possible so that my business is sustainable and so that I don't go broke and everyone's happy financially. And there was a third reason also why I separated the launch and the ticket sales date. And that was because it was the only way that I would get an indication of how tickets were gonna sell. Like this was a totally new idea. I didn't speak to anyone else who had launched retreats because no one else had done it in the same way as I had. I didn't have any experience launching retreats, obviously. This was the first one. And I was kind of like, in an ideal world, obviously all the tickets sell out, but I just don't know that. So for me, launching the retreat and putting up a wait list and having people join the wait list if they wanted to get a ticket was a really good way for me to at least somewhat understand how many tickets were gonna go. And it gave me a really good understanding between December 10th and January 10th when they went on sale of how people were responding to it and where the interest was and which pieces of marketing I was doing were being most effective. So that for me were the main reasons why I separated the launch date and the ticket sales date. And I genuinely think it's something that is really fundamental to a launch. I think creating excitement, creating a sense of urgency, not in the sense of like, get in now or you never get in, like a really hard sale way of doing things. But I think just giving people a sense that they're really getting onto something exclusive and that they're excited to do that is really good both from their perspective and from yours. But like I've said, launching a retreat was something I hadn't done before. And it also, I was very conscious of, wasn't a concept that people were super familiar with. If you launch an online course, 90% of people understand what that means. If you launch a coaching package, most people understand what that looks like. But because retreats haven't really been done before, I was so conscious that I would really have to sell it. And not sell it from the point of like hammer people down to buy tickets, but sell it from the point of being really specific about who it was for, what was involved and what the value was. I knew it wasn't something where I could just say, I'm hosting a workshop retreat and all these people would be like, yes, I've been looking for one of those for ages, that's perfect for me. Whilst I know that it's such a good fit for the people it's for, I don't think many of those people would have been thinking about coming on a retreat before I actually launched it. So I was very conscious when I was thinking about launching it of really focusing on the what and the why. 
So I'm going to break the marketing down into three stages. You've got pre-December 10th, which December 10th was the day that it launched. I've got um, on December 10th, which was obviously the day that it actually went out. And then I have January 10th onwards. So January 10th was when the tickets went on sale and obviously onwards is up until this point. So taking it back to pre-December 10th, if we kind of rewind to when I was talking about the planning process, at this point, I have pretty much mapped out the bones of this marketing structure, but things now need to happen. I knew when I thought about this launch on December 10th that I wanted it to be big. I wanted it to create impact. I wanted people to remember it. I wanted people to really know about it. And obviously being a digital marketing coach, I knew that social media and visual media was gonna be the way to do that. So something that I started doing about three weeks out from the launch was I just started mentioning that something was on the way. Now I was really careful about the way that I did this because sometimes it really peeves me off when people spend two months teasing you about something and then sometimes it launches and it's like, oh, that's a bit of a disappointment. I thought it was gonna be really exciting. Or people just switch their ears off because they're bored of you teasing them. So I was conscious to kind of drip feed information to people every now and again. I mentioned it on this podcast a couple of times I mentioned it on Instagram stories a lot and I heightened it up to December 10th. I talked about it very loosely a couple of weeks out and then the week before I was kind of mentioning every single day, you know, there's something really exciting coming on this day. It's all about this. It's encouraging you to do this, but I didn't say anything which gave away what it was. And actually that had a really great impact. I assumed that people weren't really seeing it, but I think I realized that the more that I posted that, the more that I talked about it, the more that I kind of teased it, people were switching on. And if there's anything that I've learned about marketing, which not everyone realizes, is that you have to mention something a fair few times for people to actually notice it and take it in. So I was definitely having to take some of my own medicine in that I mentioned it maybe once and was shocked that not everyone knew about it. I was like, okay, maybe I need to keep talking about this because the reality is not all of my audience see everything or listen to everything that I share. So pre-December 10th, I didn't say it was a retreat. I didn't tell people what it was. I didn't tell people who was involved. I just told them that something was on the way. I showed my excitement about it. And I just said, look, something really cool is happening. I can't wait to share it with you. It will be with us on December the 10th. So then if we fast forward to December the 10th, this for me was like the big day. Actually, this for me was more important than January 10th because December 10th was my opportunity to get the word out there, to grab people's attention and to make an impact. Now, I was in a very privileged position at the time where I was in a relationship with a guy who was a videographer and a photographer. Um, So I knew that video was gonna be a really fundamental part of that launch. I think video is something which has a really big impact, but it's not always within people's budgets or it's not always within people's reach because it sometimes can be quite expensive and time consuming or hard to understand if that isn't something that you already have a knowledge of or have someone that you hire to do. So what I did is I gathered the hosts on the 7th of December, Keep in mind that it launched on the 10th of December, talk about last minute. Um, We gathered together to plan everything, to take all the photos and to film this promo video. Now for me, if all we had done on that day was to film that video, it would have been worth it to me. I so valued the impact of that video that that to me was one of the most important things. 
I knew that if people just looked at a graphic, they would know the name of it. But if they kept scrolling through Instagram, they wouldn't have known anything else. So the reason for me behind doing a video was that people didn't have to navigate away from Instagram to understand what it was, who was involved and whether it was for them. Within a minute, they could get that impact for themselves on their Instagram feed and then keep scrolling. So for me, that was why video was so important. And obviously I was in a position where I had that in an accessible way. Um, Obviously I should say I still paid for the video and the photo, I didn't get it for free. I didn't have relationship rights or anything. Um, But I knew I wanted the video to be the big thing that launched it. So at 10 a.m. on December the 10th, I had the video go live and I had the website go live. Now I have to say again at this point, I worked with Kat from Gatto Web to make the website. And she for me was the only person that I was gonna hire because the impact that her designs make are just second to none to anything else. And I knew, I was almost like, this is my one shot at making this idea work. I've invested so much, I care so much, I'm only gonna do it the best way that I know. So I had an incredible website built by Kat. We kind of put our all into making it something that was really beautiful, but also functional. And we integrated the video into it so that it all kind of worked really cohesively and I tested it a lot of times to make sure that when people saw that video on Instagram the landing page that they would head to on the website would make sense that they would go through a process of understanding what the retreat was what was involved and whether it was for them and then what the details were It's kind of the way that I think about any landing page that I create. I think about what are the questions that people are going to have when they get to this point. Okay, I need to answer those in the right order so that it's a navigation that feels right to them. So that for me was the plan. It was pretty simple. December the 10th, 10am, video on Instagram, website live, and then I put my phone down. And I must say, I was so blown away and excited by the initial impact it made. I think I had an idea in my head that, you know, people would be kind of excited, it would go okay, it would be all right. But I was genuinely blown away by the amount of messages and emails and comments that I had, and also the amount of people who were sharing it themselves. And to me, that was exactly what I wanted. I just wanted people to be excited by the idea, to tell other people about it, and to think that it was something new and fresh. And let me tell you, boy, did I breathe a sigh of relief on that day. I remember going out for lunch with my friend who basically said, you need to get away from your computer. You've been working crazy hard up until this launch. Let's go for some Italian pasta, which let me tell you is the cure to everything in life. Um, And I remember just sitting there with her and just being like, I'm so relieved. I'm so relieved that people like it. I'm so relieved that it's worked. But also I was just so relieved it was out in the world. It had been an idea and a maybe and a what if in my head for so many weeks that I was just like, I cannot wait for people to know about this and to know what people think. I'd always spent so much time in my own head that I was like, please someone else just tell me what you think of this, good or bad. I just need to know it's getting further than just my brain. So that for me was what that first launch day looked like. It was the video, it was the website, and then I kind of just left it from there. So then let's fast forward to coming up to January the 10th. So January 10th was the point where the tickets were gonna go on sale. And for me, whilst this day included far less kind of work, there was less to do, I wasn't really posting anything, it for me was the most terrifying of the two because this is the one where I actually found out whether this idea was sound, whether people were interested, and quite frankly, whether I had wasted all that time and money and energy and whatever else. So on January 10th at 10 a.m., emails went out to those on the waitlist, and in a couple of hours after that, emails also went out to my email community. 
And I just remember sitting there refreshing my inbox and I genuinely nearly lost my mind because within about three minutes of the first email to the waitlist going out, I think three of the tickets had gone. Which to some people, you know, some people have launches that sell out in two hours or they sell out in 20 minutes. But for me, it was such a new concept that I was just blown away that even just three people were that excited and that keen to get involved that they would buy their tickets instantly. And again, just like December 10th, I posted all the things on Instagram and sent out the emails and whatever. And then I stepped away from my computer because I just couldn't bear sitting, refreshing my inbox and feeling either huge excitement or huge dread every time my inbox was refreshed and that either was or wasn't an email in there. So having checked my emails towards the end of the day, I think six or seven people had bought their tickets out of 12, which I know it maybe to someone else sounds really exciting, but in the moment I was like, oh. And my biggest fear was like, were those six slash seven people the only people that wanted to come? And all these people around me were like, you should be so proud. Like that's almost like, that's half your tickets gone. How amazing. But genuinely in that moment, I was like, I don't know what to do. This feels like a failure. And the truth is, I think that really just came from a place of not knowing what to expect around sales. I think the next time that I launched the retreat, which spoiler alert, of course it's happening again, um, I had absolutely no clue about how it was gonna go. I didn't know what to expect, but me being me, and I think many people resonate with this, I had some huge goals in my head. I had some really big ideas of how I wanted it to sell out. You know, I was like, they'll sell out in an hour and then I'll launch another one and then that will sell out and it'll just be this crazy thing. And the truth is that didn't happen. But in hindsight, it's okay that that didn't happen. And I'm still in a place where like a handful of the tickets still need to go. But in my mind, I'm like, it's okay. Yes, I will feel so much more calm when the tickets are gone, but I'm not in a place where I'm like begging and begging and begging for that email to come through because actually I'm happy with how it's going. And I kind of, I guess at that point, wish I'd had someone alongside me who had been like, it's okay. I've launched something before. Don't compare your first launch to everyone else's fifth because quite frankly, it's just a completely different situation. And I think my error at this point, to be really honest with you, was that that almost disappointment that I felt and slight kind of, I guess, failure that I felt, which is ridiculous because so many tickets had gone, was that I went quiet with it. I was like, oh, I guess it's out there. Only this many people wanted to come. There's still a few tickets there, but no one wants them. I guess I'll just stop talking about it. And like, that was the most ridiculous thing to do in hindsight. And as a digital marketing coach, like I just didn't kind of have the ability to step back and see what was wrong. But because that initial excitement was gone, I just didn't really know what to say. I really, really didn't want to sound like I was pushing it on people or I was trying to make a hard sell because that's just not something I'm about. And I think in that moment, I didn't have the perspective to understand that talking about it more and telling people that there were still a few spaces available wasn't me pushing it down people's throats or hard selling it. I put myself in my audience's shoes a couple of days later and suddenly realized, oh, this is something of true value. This is something that people really want. And I know from being a consumer myself that I always leave it to the last minute. I think sometimes we have to understand that. Like if I think about tickets that I've bought to events or um, 
products that I've bought which are about to sell out, I nine times out of 10, and this is probably says more about my personality than anything else, won't buy that thing until there is a real sense of urgency or I literally have one day until the price goes up or it goes out of stock. So in that moment, I think this was probably about a week after January 10th where I was still kind of in that down state of like, it's failed, only this many tickets have gone, although in hindsight, it's a huge success. I just had to give myself that pep talk of like, it's okay people still want to come, people are still excited about it, and it was kind of that perspective that helped me to keep talking about it. So about a week post-launch, I started talking about it again, and let me tell you, I instantly saw a connection between me talking about it and tickets going. I mean, it, it it's almost like it makes sense, right? The more you talk about something, the more people know about it, the more people know about it, the more people buy it. But it's really easy, and I get it, because I've been there once you launch something to just be like, oh, people don't care, I guess I'll stop talking about it. No, you have to keep talking about it. And for me, that was the biggest thing that when I look back, I'm like, I wish I could have done that differently. Or at least now I know not to do it the second time. But I just saw how easy it was to do that. And to fast forward to now, it is the 29th of January. So we're just over two weeks post-launch. And whilst there's still a couple of tickets left, I feel so much more calm about it. I, I think I kind of needed that week of like, things are going awfully, I need perspective, I can't get out of my head to then get to a place where I was like, okay, I can see this for what it is. It's a launch. It's gone really well so far, but to continue going well, I need to keep talking about it. I need to keep sharing about it and I need to play my part. And I think I begun to see when I was talking about it more and tickets started going again, I was like, oh, I don't need to create this crazy sales pitch or push it down people's throats for tickets to go. I just need to talk about it. And I think for me, the biggest thing that I'm grateful for with this launch is that I launched something that I was excited about. If I wasn't excited about this retreat or if I was just launching it because I needed some more income or I wanted to add another kind of element to my business, which I must say is a fine reason for launching something. Not everything has to come from a real personal experience and this real kind of emotional draw. But actually for me, I think particularly because it was the first time, the fact that I was so in love with the idea, so passionate about it and knew the power of it motivated me so much more. I'm so glad that I was excited about it because it allowed me to talk about it in a way where people saw that excitement and they could see it for themselves. So to share with you a few of the learning curves and slash tips, I guess, for my launch and how it's been, um, I've actually got three and then I've got one thing that I really would have done differently. So the first learning curve, which is more just a realization that I've already talked about, is that there is so much involved in making something like this happen. Like I said at the start before, I've only ever offered coaching packages and one-on-one work. And when you offer a coaching package, you can pretty much put it together in a couple of hours with no financial investment, no one else having to be involved. And if it flops, it flops, but you don't really lose any time or lose any money. But the more that I started planning this, the more I started realizing that there were so many people involved and so much money having to be invested that I really needed to be serious about this. If I even list out the amount of people that made that launch happen, there was Kat from Gatto who did the website, Charlotte from Media Lux did the copy for the website, Laura from Paper by Her did the logo and is putting together the welcome packs. My um, boyfriend at the time did the photo and the video work. I obviously had the hosts, Sophie and Julia, helping me to put together the workshops and plan everything. And then actually at the retreat, I've got Daisy, who is our chef for the week. I've got Lucy, who's hosting a calligraphy class. A 
I've got Megan who's photographing everything and doing headshots and there's probably other people that I've completely forgotten and obviously alongside that so much support listening feedback from family friends and kind of people in the business world and the reality is I probably could have done it with less people than that I probably could have botched my way through my website. I could have written the copy myself. I could have photoshopped a website and I could have taken the photos by myself or at least um, done some of it on my own. I could have done all those things myself. But the reason I chose not to do them myself is because I know that I would way rather pay someone else to do something that they can do so much better than I can do it than botch it through myself. I recognized when I was in those early planning stage that this was such a big project that actually it needed me at the very top, having a bird's eye view, being able to move everything along as opposed to in the details and getting the specific work done. And I don't say that in an arrogant way. I just say it in the way that if I was the person making all those things happen, A, it would have taken so much longer to launch. B, it would have been a far lower quality, all of the things, because I'm not an expert in any of those fields. And C, it just would have burnt me out. It would have been so much work and I probably would have started resenting the project as opposed to loving it. I think there's something so powerful about getting other people involved in a thing because then you get all these different perspectives and all these different insights and all these different people who can give their opinions and share their passion and it's just such a beautiful thing. So for me, that was the first realization of like, oh my gosh, there are so many people involved in this, but I would have it no other way. The second realization I had, which could not be planned for and, you know, life happens, was just that things do go wrong. I had a huge personal life shift when I was launching the retreat and I also had some real mistakes, um, well not mistakes, I had some real things go wrong within the actual planning of it. I've talked about this, I think a bit on Instagram but I don't think I've really shared this before um but I've referenced in this episode that I had a boyfriend at the time when I was launching who was taking the photo and video and obviously supporting me and a week before December the 10th when it was due to launch we broke up and in that moment obviously (laughs) I was absolutely broken a long-term relationship had just broken down someone who was my complete support system someone who had helped make the idea happen who had listened to me at 2am when I was worried that it was going to fail was no longer a part of my life and I'm not going to talk about it too much but I just want to show you that actually not everything is as it seems and in that moment I really didn't know what to do and I had two options I could either sit down delay the launch, cancel the launch, not carry on and eat Ben and Jerry's and cry, which would have been a fine choice, I must say. Or I could get myself up, be my own cheerleader and give my business what it needs. And that second option was what I did. I realized that in that moment, my business needed me. It needed me to show up in my best way. And in that moment, I just had to say to myself, look, I know that I'm really hurting. I know that I'm really sad but I'm gonna need to put this on hold for a moment because right now this launch needs everything from me. I cannot afford for this to go wrong. I don't want this to go wrong. So let's do this. And that for me was a real moment of like, oh my gosh, life happens. And you can't control things like that. But I'm a big believer in that what you can control is the way that you respond to it. And I'm not saying that when something goes wrong in your life, you have to ignore it and get on with your business. Other options would have been to delay it for a couple of weeks or to get some people in to help me with some of the launch. But in that moment, I felt like I could get up, 
put it to the back burner slightly and just get on with business. And another thing that really, I guess, went wrong, but more in the sense of actually the planning process. I remember it so clearly, I was in Dubai a couple of weeks before the launch and I had one phone call who was from one of the amazing hosts who was gonna be helping lead workshops and host the retreat, um, tell me that they had to drop out. They had had personal kind of life issues that they couldn't control come up, which meant that they could no longer um, show up at the retreat in the way that they had planned to. And that for me was a real moment of like, is this a red flag? Is this a reason why I should stop? Should I find someone else to fill this gap two weeks, you know, before the retreat goes? Have I got the capacity to fill this gap? And it was a real questioning moment for me of like, am I capable of doing this without that person that was going to be really fundamental? And then as life happens, two hours later from that phone call, I had another phone call from the venue that I'd booked to let me know that it had increased in price and that I owed them £500 in upfront costs on that very day. So I was away from home, attempting to have some time off before this crazy retreat. And I just found out these two things that I thought were certain that I had all planned out no longer were. And whilst obviously, as this episode would suggest, I moved on from those things and it's still launched. That for me was a day of like, why is this happening? I genuinely was like, life, why is this happening? Everything is ready to go. I'm like a week out, come on. But I, again, in that moment, similar to with the relationship breaking down, I realized that I had two options. I could crumble from it and be like, this is the end. This is the reason why I shouldn't do it. I give up. It's costing me too much money. It's so expensive, blah, blah, blah. Or I could just say, hey, I've said I'm going to do this. I'm excited about this idea. I still feel like I want to run with it. So I'm going to carry on. And that is the option that I did. And obviously, I'm not going to deny that there was a couple of hours where I felt very sorry for myself and wanted to just sit in a ball and cry. But after I'd had those couple of hours, which I very much needed, I picked myself up and got on with things. And for me, they were the kind of, I guess, big learning curves that I had whilst launching the retreat. Obviously the first one that so many people are involved, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And the second one that life happens, things do go wrong, but the thing that you have control over is how you respond to that thing going wrong. And when I actually think about what I would have done differently about the retreat, there's really only one thing that comes to mind. And that's when it comes to the promotion and marketing side of things. I think if I were to change anything, I would have considered the time of year more where I was launching. It was something that I was conscious of. I talk about it a lot that my brain works quite strategically and intentionally. So I do overthink things a lot. So when I was thinking about those dates of like, okay, retreat in May, launch January 10th tickets, launch December the 10th concept. And I was like, cool, that makes sense. And whilst I was aware in that moment, like I know January isn't the best time to sell tickets because people don't necessarily have the money or people maybe are preoccupied. I knew that in my industry, um, January is actually a really good time to sell something new. And January is actually the time with my coaching that I'm most fully booked and have the most inquiries. So I was confident that financially I launched at a good time. But what I would have really changed is to shift everything a month ahead. So I initially launched the concept on December 10th. And on December 10th, everyone is thinking about closing up shop for the month. Everyone's just about to take a week or two off for Christmas. And nobody is checking Instagram or prolifically thinking about their business or making decisions. So it was actually really difficult for me to create that excitement and that impact after December 10th, because pretty much after five days of launch, 
launching it, everyone was switching off and anything that I was posting wasn't having the impact that I wanted it to. So whilst I'm glad that I launched the tickets at that time of year and that was a good decision, I would have thought more about when I was promoting it because I actually ended up losing about two weeks of promotion time because I took time off and I wasn't going to sacrifice rest for the sake of promoting something new. So if I were to do it again and when I do it again, I was about to say do do and then I was about to laugh at myself, which is why... I didn't say that. Um, If I do it again, I will probably launch January, the concept, and then launch the tickets after that because then that gives me a clean four weeks when everyone's in the business mindset to think about promoting it and for people to get involved. So I hope that's helpful to you. I feel like this episode has been way longer than I intended it to. So I'm props to you if you've made it to the end. Um, And I guess this is a pretty personal episode. I'm sure it won't be one of the like most listened to ever because it's pretty specific. But I know it's the kind of episode that if I'd listened to when I was at that initial state of, of launching, if I was that person just after scrolling through Airbnb, I would have found these kind of insights and reminders and perspectives really helpful. So I hope for you, if you are thinking about launching something that you found this episode helpful and comforting and insightful or at least entertaining in some way obviously I should probably say there are still handful there are still handful that doesn't even make sense there are still a handful of tickets left the early bird price ends in two days time actually on January 31st so if you do want to grab your seat before then head over to the show notes where I'll link it or just type into your little url thing gather and grow with an and not a symbol um gather and grow dot info where you can find out more info and also get all the links to buy your ticket and save your seat there are payment plans which I've made more affordable because I know that at this time of year whilst for some people who separate their business and personal finances it can be pretty chill with money for others it can be a really difficult time of year so go and have a look at that if you are interested I must say I do a little happy dance every single time someone new books in because I genuinely just can't wait for the actual retreat to happen and I cannot wait to find out which women I'll be spending those three days with and chatting with and connecting with and workshopping with and eating with and everything else with it's going to be the best thing ever so go and have a look at that if you're interested but I'll be back next Monday hopefully it'll be Monday well it will be Monday because it's a pre-recorded episode so there's no way it'll be late um all about podcasting because guess what this is the penultimate episode of the first year of the podcast next week will be the final episode within year number one of starting the conversation so I thought I would round it off with a conversation with someone else a fellow podcast host all about podcasts so if you're interested in hosting one if you're hosting your own and you want to know about everyone else's experiences tune into that because I think it's going to be pretty interesting and hopefully helpful so I will see you next week don't forget to let me know over on Instagram what you thought of this episode or just come and say hi because it always means so much to know that there are faces and people behind the numbers but thank you so much for tuning in and I will be with you next Monday